Welcome to episode 11 of How Public Works, where we talk about municipal government and its role in society and how you as a citizen can learn, engage, and transform your community by the daily actions and decisions you make and how we all live together. I'm your host, Ilmar Semenovskis. My guest today is Regional Chair John Henry, and he is the Regional Chair and Chief Executive Officer of the Region of Durham. Elected as Durham's Regional Chair in 2018, John Henry served as the Mayor of Oshawa from 2010 to 2018 and Regional Councillor for Oshawa's Ward 5 from 2006 to 2010. He has previously served as a member of a Regional Planning and Economic Development Committee, as Chair of the Durham Regional Local Housing Corporation, member of the Durham Region Transit Executive Committee and the Durham Environmental Advisory Committee. Born and raised in Oshawa and a dedicated volunteer, John has a vested interest in the future development, prosperity, and quality of life in Durham Region, while keeping a close eye on fiscal responsibility. Welcome, Regional Chair Henry. Oh, Ilmar, it's it's great to chat with you today, and thank you for the opportunity to talk a little bit about the region and what's going on in our region, but really in Ontario. Thank you so much. So let me start with a question around how you found your path in public service and municipal politics in particular? Well, you know, it, it's it's interesting. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm married and my wife, Kathy, is a, a pharmacist. And uh, I was coming home from work one day uh, in 2003. And I, when I got home, um, we were talking in, in our kitchen around the table. And I was talking about all the challenges we had around getting our cancer center built in Oshawa. Mm-hmm. And that had politics had gotten in the way. There was some infighting amongst the members of council. And, and my wife, Kathy, just said to me, um, in your career, in your business career, you fix problems for corporations. Why don't you just run for office and you can fix this? <laughs> so in 2003, I ran against uh, the incumbent in the area that I didn't live in, in Oshawa, and uh, on the issue of trying to get uh, the cancer center built. And you know, I, I lost that election. I was a little naive. I lost by 7%. But mm-hmm. in 2006, um, the problem hadn't been fixed. And the challenges were still affecting our, our hospital and our cancer center. So I ran for office again uh, in the same in the same ward and uh, beat the incumbent uh, uh, and uh, became a local and regional councillor in Oshawa. And then I'm proud to say, um, if you look, uh, Lake Ridge Health has now got one of the finest cancer centers in the province of Ontario. It's built. It's helping residents, uh, not only in Durham, but uh, outside of the area of Durham. And uh, I'm very thankful that uh, we were able to get that done and accomplished. Well, and that's an amazing story. And it speaks to that commitment to the community and how by trying to solve a major problem and taking personal action, you were able to achieve so much with that. So thank you for sharing that story. Can you tell us a bit about what the role of regional chair is about? Because this is a, a much broader role than the municipal level, and you you wield a lot of uh, influence at that position, I assume. Can you speak to that, to that role? So um, as chair of the region of Durham, uh, the region is made up of eight municipalities. Uh, we cover an area of over 2,500 square kilometers. So we go from Lake Ontario all the way up to Lake Simcoe, north of Beaverton, we go from the Rouge Valley all the way in down to Port Granby in, in the east, and uh, it, it's a big area. So um, really, uh, if you could picture uh, in your community, no matter where you are, you have you have your mayor and your council. Here at Regional Council, um, for all sense and purposes, the chair for, does the job of mayor. 
He acts on behalf of council, which is made up of representatives from all eight municipalities. Mm, thank you. And what are some of the biggest challenges and opportunities for Durham Region that you see uh, as we move into the end of 2020? Well, you know, the, the biggest challenge now that affects the entire world is COVID-19 and the challenges yes. related to to um, the pandemic. And uh, we are no different than any other community and on how we're reacting. So we work with our medical officers of health and our councils, our essential services. We have police and fire paramedics, long-term care facilities, water treatment plants and um, pumping stations. So we have all this infrastructure uh, that we need to continue to maintain. So that that is the big challenge with COVID-19 and making sure that our residents continue to get the excellent services that they expect. And I'm very proud of what we've done in Durham related to COVID-19, whether it was free transit, emergency daycare, uh, 24-hour daycare to our frontline workers or emergency people, um, and uh, supportive housing during this this uh, this real challenge. Um, we were able to operate the In-N-Out program at Camp Samac, taking some of our most vulnerable residents, giving them housing, getting them the help that they needed, and, and it was very, very successful. We had a, a number of people that were able to deal with their um, the challenges of, of alcoholism or drugs or mental health, and, and we've been, mm -hmm. uh, it was a great story. Uh, the real challenge for us was taking an organization uh, that has almost 6,000 employees and being able to get them uh, a majority working from home. So we had, within two weeks, we were able to move 1,400 people to work from home. Yes, to continue yeah. to deliver those services. And then in Durham, it's the challenge of, uh, it's a historic challenge of trying to get the message out about Durham region. You know, uh, Durham is uh, east of Toronto. Uh, we, we share the Rouge, Rouge Valley together. Um, we're made up of um, uh, eight municipalities. Um, over 80% of our residents live along the lakeshore, um, but a big percentage, over 80% of our region is, is green space. Um, within the green belt. So Durham, right. Durham uh, keeps the lights on for about 35% of the province of Ontario. We're, we're home to one of the finest, well, one of the finest and one of the largest healthcare centers in Canada, the Lake Ridge Health Corporation. Um, it is, you know, you wouldn't know that, but Lake Ridge is as big or bigger than any of, of the Toronto or University Hospitals in Ontario. And mm -hmm. then we've got this component of education. You know, we're home to Ontario Tech University, Durham College, Trent University. Queen's has a campus in the middle of our a hospital called the Learn Centre. So it's about getting the message out to the rest of the country that Durham's here. Our agriculture community feeds Ontario. Uh, we keep the lights on for a big part of the GTA and uh, that we, we are here. Um, you know, but the greater Toronto Hamilton area doesn't mention Durham, but we are part of that. And, uh, you know, the sun touches Durham before it touches the rest of the GTHA. <laughs> well, and, you know, and you've touched on so many aspects of, of Durham's programs and maybe one that that's uh, of interest. And I'm just, I'm just thinking from an education perspective with the partnerships with, you know, you mentioned Trent and and the universities, the new university in in Oshawa. Well, I guess it's not so new anymore, but you must have had some influence in those projects and those those uh, partnerships in your in your time at Oshawa as well. Uh, can you speak a little bit to the you know how education has really those partnerships have really blossomed in the last few years? Well, Durham College has been in, in the region for for over 50 years. Trent has a very long history, and Ontario Tech. You're right; it's one of the newest universities in the country. 
And it's been amazing to watch. You know, we have 25,000 young people that are going to either college or university um, here in Durham region now. Um, that's not including the number of people that would be going, uh, taking courses on nights and weekends. But education has been one of the one of our new businesses in Durham. Um, and what it's done uh, for us is really uh, given, given us the opportunity to showcase. We're home to the world's largest climatic wind tunnel. Uh, we have a nuclear program at Ontario Tech. Uh, Durham College leads uh, the college community in artificial intelligence. And then, of course, Trent University has been here for a very, very long period of time. And, you know, I've been lucky. I've been able to work with all three schools uh, to help advance their campuses um, here in the region. And it's really been successful. Uh, all three locations have new buildings under construction. Yes. You know, and, and I'm excited. I'm I'm an alumni of Durham College, uh, one of the many schools I had a chance to go to, to go to when I was younger. But you know, if you go to a job site in on in anywhere in Canada today, a large job site, chances are that you will find someone who took a trades program at Durham College working on those sites. Yeah, and it's access to technology and access to, uh, you know, sort of the mobile work environment. Being able to connect and having access to these school systems is just going to get easier and easier as we move forward, isn't it? Well, it, it is, and, and it's where we lead. You know, Ontario Tech leads in hydrogen technology. Uh, we have the uh, small nuclear reactors that are now a, a topic of conversation around the world. Uh, we teach nuclear. Uh, the nuclear program is taught there, power engineering. But, you know, we still got uh, within uh, Durham College and Trent, you know, whether you want to be a boilermaker or an electrician or any of the other programs, uh, paramedics, we have all of these programs that young people are coming from around the world, including international students, now come to Durham Region to get uh, the most amazing education. And then we're very lucky. Some of these very talented, gifted students are staying here now. Uh, They're not going back home. They're bringing their families over. They're they're opening businesses, uh, and they're living that that dream that that you and I had from our parents, where yeah. hard work is re- rewarded, right? And it, yeah. and I still I still believe that dream exists in Canada, where you know it used to be when you know a long time ago there was always this phrase about go west, young man, and be you'll be successful. Well, now for young people, you can come to Durham, finish school, and be incredibly successful and live that same dream, that Canadian dream that we all talk about. Yeah. And on on that connectivity, a question around sort of transportation and connectivity and access are critical to economic growth and prosperity. So how is the regional transportation system and sort of those partnerships with the province and those priorities around transit uh, emerging for Durham? And and what's the future look like for for increased uh, and more efficient connectivity? Well, you know what? I'm excited you said this because just last Friday, um, we had uh, representatives from both the federal and provincial governments, along with ourselves, at our rally yard in Oshawa to talk mm-hmm. about uh, the $126 million being vested in Durham Region Transit as we speak. Nice. You know, you won't you won't have to go to Toronto to see articulating buses any longer. You will see them on the roads on Highway Number 2 on our Pulse Route uh, here in, uh, in Durham Region as it travels from Oshawa to the Scarborough U-T- U of T campus, where before COVID, we were well over 1.2 million riders on that route. Uh, which is pretty amazing because the entire population of Durham region is only 700,000. Um, <laughs> wow. And then um, the continued work we're doing with uh, with hybrid uh, buses, hybrid electric buses, and the announcement last week about, you know, getting to uh, zero emissions in 10 years. 
Um, that's 10 years from today. That is a very bold, uh, a very bold statement. And we're working towards making those investments as well. And then I'm very proud of the fact that during COVID, um, our planning department, along with with MetroLinks and the province and the in the city of Oshawa and the municipality of Clarington, have still been working on advancing the GO train all the way into Clarington. Nice. So right now the GO train stops in Oshawa. There'll be uh, we'll be coming over the highway. Uh, 401 with General Motors closing in Oshawa. It opened up a, a bridge that was no longer really being used. We'll reconnect to the the train um, to the train line that goes through uh, downtown Oshawa to the old Knob Hill Farms property. Uh, so there'll be a station at Thornton's Corners. You'll travel into into uh, downtown Oshawa, a 10-minute walk from the train station to the heart of downtown. Travel out to Curtis, where there'll be a station. One of the first stations built on a greenfield, a transit-oriented village built around transit. Incredibly mm-hmm. exciting story. And then finish up in in Bowmanville. And uh, if you listen to to uh, uh, the announcement, uh, someday um, I hope to see in my lifetime that the train, the GO train, connects all the way down to Port Hope and Coburg. But that's that's after we get it to Bowmanville. And that's an incredible push, isn't it? As as the GTA uh, starts to connect east, west, north as well, right? And it's it's wonderful to hear that there's so much energy behind these programs right now. Uh, and and you talk about you know the the north sort of the North Durham and the population being centered around the the uh, Lake Ontario Lakeshore. So what's your view with the green belt and growth and environmental protection and how that is being managed? You know, those pressures is always pressures for new greenfield development what does that look like in durham with regards to those pressures and how they're being managed well for the environment uh, durham region and i'm proud to say in 2018 the 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 canadian um uh we were recognized in ottawa uh, by uh, cfm the canadian federation of municipalities um the as having the best climate adaptation plan uh in the country Nice. So the work that our team has uh, done to make sure the environment is is at the front of all of our conversations and in everything that we do, uh, it, it was an amazing story. And now parts of our, our climate adaptation plan are being adopted, adopted by municipalities across the country, uh, utilizing our best practice uh, from the Federation of Canadian Municipalities from, from being recognized as the best plan. And then, you know, I, I'm proud to say that uh, while I was born in Oshawa, um, my family are a, a number of my cousins and, and uh, um, are still farmers within the region of, of Durham, which is which is a great story. And, and large farms and cash crops and and, uh, you know, the Greenbelt uh, is incredibly important for us. Um, it recharges our, our water, our water systems. Um, it allows us to feed the people of Ontario and uh but in durham we have uh, lots of land that is not in the green belt and is now being recognized for development uh development that'll be sustainable development where you know it'll be walkable it'll be trails it'll be connecting people it'll be about using t- public transit um to to move people to to and fro uh work and and from doing their shopping and yeah. getting to their appointments so for us it is our time here in durham and uh you know we're we're more affordable than um, most other places in the GTHA, and that's being recognized. So you know we're building, uh, we still build traditional homes, but you're starting to see uh, 
you know, apartment buildings and, and condo buildings being built. High density development is, is a big part of going forward and making sure that everything is in place to service the needs of our residents, including working with students uh, um, at the college and the university and, and gaining their input from our city studios program where we bring them in and work with them to see what their vision is. Thinking of the future, you really need to go to the younger people in our communities and say, what do you see around around parks and recreation and transportation and and what how would you like the community of, of, of your time to be built? And yes. you can you can see that we have this great opportunity right now in Durham region that really is going to change how we think about housing, housing people, moving people, how we move goods. Um, it's, a, it's really an exciting time. And all of this is going on in one of the most challenging times in this country since World War II with COVID-19. It's really exciting, isn't it, when you think about how much has happened since March and how, you know, how the country, the globe has, has really pivoted around so many you know, new opportunities and just rethinking how we do things. One question I have for you, uh, Chair, is the demographic diversity of Durham. And, 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 you know, if you think about it, and for those who haven't driven through or around Durham region, you know, you have the very dense lakefront and a lot of older communities and a lot of uh, a lot of deep character and sort of those downtown, original downtown cores. And then you're moving to sort of the green belt, towards the green belt, but also through newer development areas. And then as you move into North Durham, you have hamlets and green space and, you know, like you say, country and open farms. So just describe the demographic in your view as to, you know, where those beauty spots are and what that means to people who might be visiting the region. Well, I think what we have is so much to to offer um, now. So as mayor of Oshawa, I was I was I had the privilege of being part of uh, Fiesta Week, which is not didn't happen this year uh, because of COVID, but you know, would have been celebrated the multicultural makeup of our community for 45 years. And, mm-hmm. you know, the community in Oshawa um, after World War II, you know, we had uh, a number of, of people who had served with uh, the Polish Army who'd stayed in our Polish community because they trained at the Commonwealth Air Center in, in Oshawa at the Oshawa Airport is what it's called now. And mm-hmm. we had uh, immigration that had, had happened and we had, you know, our diverse uh, community, we'd celebrate the Greek community, the Italian community, the our French community, uh, our Portuguese community, you know, we, we'd celebrate with song and dance for an entire week and enjoy the foods that from those cultures. And, you know, Canada is a place where dreams happen. And we have now people are from around the world are choosing to move into to our communities um, along the lakeshore in the northern part of our community. And they're bringing their culture. They're bringing their restaurants. Uh, they're bringing their businesses here. And so we have all of that going on. But in the northern communities, if it wasn't for COVID, uh, today we could be just as easy having this conversation at one of our fall fairs um, because we still celebrate harvest season season here in Durham region because it's such a big economic engine. Um, And when you look at farming in Durham region, right now farming, if you take all those individuals that work in the agro-related businesses, it would be very close to being our largest employer, somewhere over 18,000 people. Right. So we've got all of those great things. So no matter where you live in Durham region, you know, you're you're literally 20 minutes away from a farmer's market. Whether mm-hmm. you live in, in Pickering, Ajax, you know, Whitby, Oshawa, or Clarington, or Port Perry, Uxbridge, or Brock, there are, uh, it, it's harvest time here. It's the it's a great time of the year to go out and enjoy all the things that, that are grown. Everything from apples to uh, potatoes to 
hay to chickens to eggs to cattle. We have it all here in Durham region. Nice, nice. So let me ask you then around Durham's diversity and proximity to Toronto and really just the idea around you know, having a lot of internal job creation within Durham region and some of the local municipalities in that area adjacent to Durham, but then having Toronto sort of being this big brother beside this region or or, or just this huge, huge mass of energy that's beside Durham region. How does it, how is it perceived within Durham as, is it like an economic gateway or an opportunity to prosperity or is there a bit of a shadow with that, with that close proximity? Well, you know, remember the sun sun shines on Durham before it gets to Toronto. So, and and I I mean that in jest, but you know, it, it's about partnerships. So we have I have a I'm very proud of the relationship that the region of Durham has with the city of Toronto and uh, the work that Mayor Tory does. But for us, you know, there was a time when uh, you know Durham region was the automotive capital of of Canada, if not North America, and and that's that shifted and. As it shifted, new businesses have moved in. There was a couple great announcements last week about uh, Amazon moving into Ajax and another facility in, in Whippy. You know, Kubota has now moved into um, North Pickering on the Pickering Innovation Corridor. You know, we have Algoma Orchards in the east along with OPG and, uh, you know, the Durham region, Clarington in particular, with the moving of OPG's offices out of Toronto will have, and being relocated to Curtis, will now be the energy capital of Canada. And that, that is a great story around uh, those things. But you're right, there are a lot of people that, because of what goes on in Toronto, have to commute into the city to go to work. Mm-hmm. But if you were to get go to any one of our train stations in the morning, you will see reverse commuting. You'll see mm-hmm. people who live downtown, who are coming out to Durham to work in and whether it be in, in municipal government, provincial government, uh, to work at our colleges, our universities, and our hospitals. You see young people coming out of the city on the train in the morning to go to Trent University and Durham College and Ontario Tech. So, you know, both uh, it, traffic moves both ways. Uh, Durham is still, um, you know, relatively small uh, in, in time, you know, uh, as, as a region. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, we complement each other. And we work together, and and I'm really proud. And during COVID, it has been it really amazing because the um, uh, the mayors and chairs of the large uh, the 11 large urban areas get together uh, once a week to talk about um, the challenges that we're having, so that we have a united voice when we go to uh, the province or the federal government. And a lot of the decisions that have happened in relationship to what you're seeing and, and monies that are flowing mm-hmm. uh, would have never happened um, if we hadn't gotten together to represent the the majority of the population of the province of Ontario lives in the GTHA. So it's been exciting and Mayor Tory's done an amazing job keeping us all organized and uh, making sure that he chairs all of the meetings. We meet every Monday and um, we have for months now and uh, but we're being listened to and uh, uh, you know the GTHA is the economic engine of the province of Ontario but we are a big part of the economy of Canada and so uh, I'm proud of the work that we've done and I'm really proud of the work that our residents have done in supporting us during this COVID-19 wearing masks washing their hands um, not gathering in large groups um, and following the guidelines of uh, our medical officer of health. It's been a real partnership, and I'm proud of what they've been able, we've collectively been able to do. 
and, and that sounds wonderful. And the fact that there's so much collaboration and communication within the GTHA, I mean, that just speaks to the wonderful nature of government. Because often people have this sense of, you know, division or individual prioritization of issues and this, you know, sort of this lack of cohesion. But what you're describing here sounds like a very, very positive approach to finding common uh, alliances and, and focusing on key issues for this economic engine of the province and and the province has your ear it sounds like the province is at the table and there's great communication happening are there any very uh, sort of successful wins that have emerged um, beyond sort of the covid uh, coordination uh well for us here at the region we've continued to operate uh, all of our regional services and we've been able to advance projects uh, we've got construction uh throughout the entire region and when we can get a project out the door um, you know, it might not seem like renovating a road is or resurfacing a road is a big thing, you know, but to the hundred people working on that project, it's a big thing. Mm-hmm. So, and we have hundreds of those projects going on throughout the region of Durham as we speak, uh, renovating uh, roads, doing wa- uh, water and sewer, uh, climate mitigation, doing the things that we need to do to protect our, our residents. You know, one thing that we've learned from COVID is that we've had to been able, we've had to learn to move quickly. And we've had to adapt to the challenges. Um, you know, Elmar, you, you've you've worked. I've worked with you in the past yeah. at the city of Oshawa. You know how ta- how difficult it is sometimes to move projects. Can you imagine um, moving 1,400 people from their offices to their homes to deal with uh, the work that they do on a daily basis in two weeks? Yes. And out, yeah. Outside of, outside of COVID, to try to to do a project of that magnitude. It would have taken two years or longer. We would have had to study it. We would have had to do all the things that we needed to do. Yes. And and now um, with COVID, we are doing things in days where it would have taken months or years. And that's the same for every municipality, you know, throughout the country, um, being to adapt and change and and meet the needs on a daily basis. Um, and I'm really proud of of uh, our ability to work um you know government is a as a unionized environment uh, we've had great relationships with our unions working hard with them to make sure that we look after our staff because our staff look after the residents of our communities adapting to you know just in long-term care um, we have four long-term care centers in mm-hmm. Oshawa, in durham region two in oshawa one in Whitby and one in uh, in up in Beaverton, and when you lose the volunteers and the family members that worked and came came every day to to help with their family members, during COVID we had to go out and hire 230 people, in a time when your municipal buildings are closed to yes. to make sure that we could continue to provide those services. You know we're hiring police officers and paramedics and you're replacing people that are retiring all during a time when your buildings are closed to the public. That says a lot for your, you know, your IT teams, your HR teams, and all of the backroom, you know, backroom people that make the region work. Yeah. You know, we, we we congratulate them all, but you know, one of the, the groups of people that we miss is is our people that work in our wastewater and our water uh, divisions here at the region who come to work every day to make sure that we have safe drinking water, and you don't see them because they're behind the scenes. But the first thing you do in the morning when you turn on the tap and go to brush your teeth there's somebody at a water pumping station that's making sure that everything is working so that you can do that safely so yeah. we have a lot of a lot of heroes uh those that work in our healthcare and hospitals our frontline service people you know we had daycare operators that were working 24 hours a day providing daycare to 
to emergency people who, who needed to go to the hospitals to work or go to police officers and paramedics and firefighters yeah. and all that stuff. And that's all in the background and it, and it happens seamlessly. And that's what, what's made it so amazing to watch what's happened during COVID-19. Well, it's amazing too, isn't it, John? When you think about, you know, people that are working in the public services, you know, there's a lot of passion. There's a lot of personal pride and care that goes into, you know, those careers and, and their, their careers. These are people who are committing much of their, you know, their working life to pr- serving the community. And you're right. This often does go un, unnoticed or, or taken for, you know, taken for granted. Let's say, like you say, when the water comes on in the morning, how much thought goes into where that water came from or, or how much effort and cost is there to produce it, right? Um, I, you know, I, that just actually speaks to, you know, some, some conversations that I'm sure you hear and I know I hear in the public realm around how COVID is costing so much money. You know, whether it's directly or indirectly and how municipalities are going to have to, you know, have a major reckoning, whether whether that's resulting in huge increase in taxes or, you know, seeking, a, you know, significant funding from the province or whatever that remedial um, focus might be. What's your view on, you know, the economic side of, of this this experience and and do you see a, a manageable future or a manageable transition to a new reality? So for us here in Durham, uh, and I can really just speak to Durham, um, mm-hmm. I, I am very proud of the work we've done. So working through um, the province and the federal government, we received uh, about 50% of our COVID-related costs. So our costs are somewhere just over $43 million. Right. And we were able to, within our organization, look um, look really hard to find savings and opportunities and, uh, you know, we, we are finding dollars every day. So for me, uh, here in the region of Durham, as we move forward into the next budget, I think we've got COVID covered for 2020. Nice. So I think we're fine. And I don't think the residents, I'm, I'm almost positive the re- residents will see, uh, we're projecting our tax increase for 2021 at 2% on the regional side, which is about what our contractual obligations to our unionized employees are. Uh, we have costs related to navigation, you know, our, our contracts. You know, we employ, um, you know, somewhere just uh, around 5,000 uh, unionized employees. So, and they do a great job, um, but it's contracts and we bargain in good faith to make sure the residents receive um, all the services they need and, and we respect the work that our, our teams do. So, for this year, I'm fine. I'm concerned about... Uh, 2021 for every municipality in Canada, not knowing what's going to happen, what's going to happen with COVID, whether mm-hmm. we're going to be the challenges of going into round two. You know, in Ontario, yes. the numbers have creeped up a little bit. Uh, we're, our teams are working very hard. I know at regional headquarters um, just this week, uh, uh, we're going to continue. Um, we've made the decision that all meetings in this building will be virtual. Mm. And we'll continue to do that for committee meetings, council meetings. Uh, we do more more meetings through through Zim, Zoom or, or Teams. Or uh, we I still meet with uh, my, the residents in the region, but I use uh, I use uh, my iPhone and I'll use FaceTime. Um, you know, it, we really have changed the way we think and how we do business. But it's really working together um, yeah. to make sure we manage this manage this. You know, the, the challenge is, is when you have someone's family where there's 
uh, a young child that is is, is um, got COVID-19 and having some challenges, then you know the chances are that the, the well you know that the mom and the and the dad neither of them can come to work. They'll be in isolation. Um, and how you manage all of that because um, you know a lot of young people that have kids are professionals and work in healthcare or work in emergency whether it be paramedics, fire, police, um, social services, they're the people that answer the phone, pick up your garbage. So, you know, we, we take it all for granted. Um, but, you know, right now we've done a, a great job. I'm proud. Um, we have a COVID tracker on our regional website. Uh, our regional website is the most accurate place to go for information. It's updated continually. But um, we need to really be conscious. Just because you cannot see COVID-19, doesn't mean that you need to become complacent. You really need to make sure that, you know, don't gather in large groups, wear a face covering, wash your hands, don't touch your face, plan mm -hmm. your outings. You know, the entire family doesn't have to go to the grocery store for, store for groceries. Um, just one person should be going. These are things that need to be really driven home going further as, as there is fear of that second wave, right? Oh, and we worry about it each and every day. Um, you only have to turn on CNN in the mornings. At, you know, I, I'm an early morning person, so I catch CNN most mornings by six o'clock and, mm -hmm. and watch what's going on in the United States or around the world. And we really need to to be concerned. And we're all on the same team. You know, who, who would have thought that wearing a mask would become so important uh, yeah. in, in today's day and age? And you know, uh, you, you just need to be conscious. Uh, we need to work through this together and together we'll get through it. Um, but, you know, when you see, uh, you know, large parties being thrown and, and uh, uh, some of the challenges related to that or large gatherings, um, uh, you know, it, it's, it saddens me because it, 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 it's, we're doing this to protect the people that we love. And hopefully that the people that are, the other people are doing this to, are doing it for the same reason. So, need to be diligent and, and now the province is, is come out and there's significant fines if you don't follow the rules and and uh, here in Durham region we're supportive of that. Yeah and and we talk about this shift you know the the mobilization of your workforce you know the regional staff being able to basically you know function out of out of the home or out of the office this almost is emerging, I think, quite frankly, will emerge as a new reality. So do you see the future where sort of regional or, you know, central office space becomes less of a priority and and that this this um, experience will create sort of a new mobile workforce? What's your view on that? Well, even before COVID, um, I was really proud of, of Regional Council last year. We we eliminated the need uh, on our books was the need to build another building down the road to house our regional staff. And and it was around one hundred and twenty million dollars. And we cut that out of our future financial forecast because we realized that adapting and using technology for our employees would allow us to do more in smaller spaces. So I, I'm excited about that. And going forward, um, you know, having uh, a different way to think of how you build office buildings. You know, the young people coming out of school today are looking for a workstation, a conference room, a place to make a phone call. The days of building big offices um, are over. Yes. And it's about reacting to the new work environment. It's uh, the, the, the young people that are graduating from a university and college today have computer skills that didn't exist. Uh, when I when I finished school, um, the yeah. world has changed that much. 
so using utilizing technology is is incredibly important. And for governments, uh, how we buy equipment is going to change too. You know, standalone computers and desk on your desk is not going to be the answer anymore. You'll find that uh, every piece of equipment that we go forward with for our staff will be laptops and docking stations. That mm-hmm. way, in the event of another challenge like COVID-19, you can grab your laptop, you can go and be connected and work from home in hours versus trying to do it in, in two weeks. We were very lucky or longer for some, or some other communities. But utilizing technology, adapting to change, understanding that change is a good thing and being able to do that within your organization. Um, I'm, I'm excited about the future and I'm excited for young people too because um, there is there are new jobs being created as we speak, uh, whether it's in green energy or climate, technology and transportation and uh, there's still the great need for tradespeople um, in this country and and the fact that we're able to have three schools in Durham region that that deliver uh, these very talented people to the Canadian economy um, is is amazing and so I think the future after COVID is very bright for Durham region and there are lots of opportunities within government to become more efficient change how we do business and and adapt and uh, you know I'm really proud of the the work that we've done here at the region and you know for me I get to talk to you today about about the you know over 5,000 people that work at the region each and every day who come to work and do all these great things and I'm really proud of them but I'm their spokesperson it's their work that gets done I get to deliver their message and that's a real that is really a privilege um, being able to to be the the chief executive officer and chair of a, of a very large organization where every day uh, people are coming to work, making changes and, and, and supporting what the residents of the region of Durham expect. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this is amazing. And I'm really, and I, I, I really can't get the message out how proud I am of all of our employees from wastewater to child care to emergency operations and everything in between to our call center staff who are handling tens of thousands of calls in a month um, where, you know, related to health or, you know, the challenges that we have as we get into fall and how we're starting to look at how do we manage, you know, I hate to say this, but there was frost on the window of my car. On Saturday. <laughs> so we've got that winter snowplow season coming up and, and how we make sure that we're ready and prepared to go forward. And they do all this. So, uh, and, and, and it's in every community yes. um, across the country where you have dedicated people coming to work every day and often, you know, you don't you don't think about it, uh, but you do think about it on that day when your street's got four inches of when snow. When you need, when you need it, yes, when you need, <laughs> when you need it. Well, and you you've led into uh, two questions, and one you actually answered, and it was really, you know, where youth lie in the future of Durham, and you've answered that. If you, unless you want to add anything more, but um, you know that question, and the second question is, you know, with our aging population, what does life look like in Durham region for those that are, you know, heading into their sunset years? Well, you know, I, I'm not there yet, um, but um, I do think about the future a fair a fair bit, and and we're really lucky in Durham Region. We have, you know, the, an an amazing healthcare system in Lake Ridge Health, and we also have, um, you know, Uxbridge is in a different lens, but the Uxbridge Hospital does amazing work. Um, our cancer center is uh, second to none in the province, so there's all of those great things, and we're home to four long-term care facilities that we run as a region. Uh, the province announced that Premier Ford was in Ajax a little while ago. We have another 325-bed facility that is going to be built. 
But within each of our eight municipalities, we have great programs. You know, we have senior centers, we have libraries, we have art galleries. Um, we have all the things that make Durham a great place to live. But we've got mm. walking trails, right. places to bicycle. Um, you know, we're connected communities. So we have a lot to offer for people who, who have finished their their working career and have gone into that next career of retirement yes. where there's where there's ro- lots of opportunities including opportunities within the service community. Um, you know, if you've retired from work and you're looking for something to do and you've got a lot of time, take the time and find find something that you can be involved in, whether it's Rotary or Lions or Kinsmen or Probus. Um, get involved on a community board. Um, there are lots of things to do, whether you play pickle, pickleball in a senior center mm-hmm. or really want to give your time back to your community and volunteer at you know, feed the need or or one of the other great organizations. You you know, you you finished your career wherever you worked. You have this amazing skill set. There are a lot of volunteer boards that would just love to have someone on their board that's got, you know, an accounting background or leadership background. Um, And that's what makes uh, our communities great. So just because you've reached the end of your working career doesn't mean the opportunities for uh, contributing back to your community don't exist. And I really am a, a big proponent of getting involved in a service organization. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've been a, a Rotarian now for over 30 years, and I'm proud of the work that they do. And I continue to go out on weekends and work with them on great projects, whether it's climate-related, bottle drives, garage sales, or rib fests. Right. That's very helpful. Thank you. And, you know, and it's it's always nice to share what's available in our communities, because as you know, as people look around the province to retire in different communities and moving or you know migrating out of the GTA or out of the Toronto core, at least, you know, Durham becomes a very viable uh, retirement center. Um, with with that uh, regional chair, I just want to ask you, do you have a call to action for our community and whether it's and if you want to do it in a number of parts, you can speak to the community directly. If you want to speak to the youth that are coming into our workforce and maybe to you know politicians and those that are on councils across the province, what would your messages be? Well, first, the first thing is never forget that it, it's the people in your communities that you need to listen to. Um, and that I mean, all parts of your community, just, you know. You're not the areas where people don't vote. It's it's about every individual. It's about um, your entire community, and mm-hmm. uh, they have a voice, and and you are the you are elected to listen. Mm-hmm. The other the other thing I really want to say to the young people that are out there is that, you know, in this in this country, the there the dream still exists, mm-hmm. that you can find find that way to have that great life that your parents have had. And that if you're in school and and you're going forward, um, it's not about the top of the mountain that matters. It's about the journey to the top of the mountain, mm-hmm. and uh, that's incredibly important. And the other, you know, the other thing is, you know, we see a lot of challenges with young people and guns and gangs and drugs. You know, we we have. I when I went to high school, I went to a vocational school, mm-hmm. and our school system needs to look at the trades of today. You know, where you need to graduate from high school and if you're not going to college but the basics understanding of HVAC or cabling or uh, putting fiber into the ground we can do a better job for young people about getting the messages about the future jobs that will be available in this country mm. because a job that pays a living wage is gives hope to a person who wants to have that family and own that house and we need to do a better job 
within our communities collectively about talking about the opportunities. Um, you know, it seems easy, you know, easy for a young person to go out and, and make some fast money um, one way. But, you know, fast money is good for a day, but a trade is good for a lifetime. Right. Yes. And we, and we need to do that. And the world needs, you know, I still say this when I speak, the world still needs butchers and bakers and candlestick makers. And just today, there are cablers, people that deal in fiber, um, bricklayers and carpenters and electricians, people that work in the green energy, which will be the next uh, big business for yeah. this country and um, going forward. So if you've got some spare time and you can work with some youth and mentor them and get them onto that path of success, because in each one of our lives, I'm really proud of the fact that when I finished um, high school, before I went back to school, um, somebody who sat down with me and taught me my first trade in the days when you had to sit at a bench and learn your trade with mm-hmm. a master. And uh, the time that uh, that this gentleman, who I call my dad, uh, invested in me to get me to where I am today was critical. And because of Julio, my friend Julio, who I still call my dad, um, he got me started. And that trade led to my next trade, which led me to my next trade, which got me to school all over North America that allowed me to do some really amazing things um, because of the time that he invested in me. So if, you know, if everyone who could find someone that's got a bit of a challenge in their life and needs a little bit of guidance and they can give that individual a few minutes of their time to get them on that path mm. uh, to success, then when you look, you know, you look back, you've done great things. You know, we have a rule in my office here, and I had it when I was in Oshawa as, as a mayor and a counselor. Every day I have to help somebody. Mm-hmm. So at the end of my career, when I when I leave office, um, that I'll know that each and every year I've I've been able to help X number of people. And, and that's a wonderful way to look at it, isn't it? Because really, at the end of the day, it's the journey that counts, not the destination, isn't it? it it's absolutely so. You know, today we've had, you know, I've had a number of, of Zoom meetings today, and now I'm online with you, and you know, I've been able to talk to a Probus Club about the region and and been able to answer some questions in their lives. And and really, it's about making a difference for all of us. We're all mm-hmm. in this together. We all live in our communities. And for us, um, elected officials and leaders within our communities, we need to go back to the days where we can instill hope into our young people about having the life that we've had and the opportunities that exist. And sometimes it, it needs to be about making change. And I think, you know, we have an opportunity within our school systems to start to do that. Um, you know, and I'll use green energy technologies as an example. The the, the effort behind that from whether it be solar panel, panels or, or batteries in your garage or charging stations at home or all of the things that go around that and how we've become a connected community. Yes. But there's the other challenge we have. So in order to get to where we need to be about being connected, we need to think back about when the foundation of this country and they decided to build a railroad. And I I know this sounds silly, but 155 years ago, or thereabouts, our leaders decided that we needed to be connected. Mm -hmm. So they built a railroad from coast to coast. Well, the railroad of today is effective broadband fiber connectivity. And we need to put the same effort that we did in connecting our, our our coast to coast and you know crossing river valleys and going around and through and over mountains into the same effort about getting high speed internet to every home in this country. 
and we need the help of our federal and provincial leaders to say we're going to make this a priority. When a farmer in Ontario has to go out to his combine in the middle of a field to download something to his phone because he's got a satellite in his combine and he doesn't have it at his house, doesn't make sense. Wow, yeah. Well, and it's hard too, isn't it? Because that technology or that that infrastructure is so much less visible than than like you described, you know, the, the original connection east and west, but it's so much more vital, isn't it? Well, it is. In, in today's day and age, broadband is the railroad 150 years ago. Yes. And uh, we need to have a plan. Every community in this in the entire country is struggling with high-speed connectivity, and we need to make it a national priority. And if we do that, then in this country, we can build, manufacture, and ship any product that we make anywhere in the round, around the world, and we can compete with other countries. That's not the challenge, but we need to be on the same playing field. And when you've got countries around the world that have better broadband connectivity than we do, then mm-hmm. that's wrong, and we need to fix it, and we need to fix it now. Thank you for that. No, it's, it's a very good call to action for sure. And, and uh, Chair Henry, any last words that you'd like to share before we, we wrap up? Well, first of all, I want to thank you, uh, Ilmar, for taking the time to chat with me today and, and uh, you know, and, and hear a little bit about the Durham region. But, you know, really what, I, what I'd like to express is, is that there is a light at the end of this tunnel of COVID. And we mm-hmm. will get through this together and we will come out of this better than ever before. That we'll have become more connected. Uh, we will develop more. Uh, we will have accomplished many great things. And for our young people in the community, um, you have a great opportunity to drive change in this country. So you too can get involved. Um, to our senior community who retired, find something that you can be passionate about and get involved in your communities. Because together, uh, this is a, an amazing country. And uh, I'm really proud of the fact that I live here in Durham region and that I'm really thankful that I've had a chance to spend a little bit of time with you, Ilmar, today and for you allowing us to get our message in. And John, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate both the conversation and the messaging. And with that, I want to say have a wonderful, wonderful uh, year end for 2020 as we wrap up what would be the first year of COVID. And I'm looking forward to seeing what comes for 2021. So, Ilmar, I just want you to ask, uh, ask you to wear a mask to wash your hands, (laughs) practice social distancing, and don't gather in large groups. And if you can pass that message on to to the group that sees your or hears your podcast, then together today we've done something really good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, John. Take care of yourself. Thanks, Omar. Have a great day.